everybody and welcome to episode 3 of Life and Stripes, the podcast for people living with CVID and other primary immune diseases and their loved ones. My name is Sean Ray and with me again is my beautiful wife and lovely co-host Sherry. How are you doing Sherry? I'm fine. How are you guys? Awesome. And tonight we're, uh, we're going to be talking about different things that young people with CVID and PI have to deal with. Specifically, we're talking about teenagers and young adults. And to help us talk about that, we have a couple of young people here with us. Uh, first of all, we have our son, Austin. Austin, hey. how, you, how you doing, bud? Good. Okay. And uh, we also, and joining us via the magic of the internet is John Shea. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. How about you? I'm doing great. And, uh, let me just introduce everybody here on the show, John, uh, my wife, uh, Sherry, and my son, Austin. Hi, John. Hi, nice to meet you. Seen well, your post for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Seen so, your post for a while, but it's good to put a face with it and a voice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Sherry met John in the CVID group when we started doing the show, so I'm going to let her take a minute and kind of introduce him. Well, I think he could probably introduce himself a little better. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, John, tell um, us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm now 28, um, but I was originally diagnosed with CVID not until I was um, 15. This was before they had done some of the um, testing and stuff where they can now, you know, they can now um, identify the genetic marker in yeah. the in the gene. Yeah. So it was before that time, but um, yeah. So I'm 28 now. I have um, CVID, and I'm from uh, Northampton, Massachusetts. Um, I'm a construction and architectural engineer. Awesome. I, I guess that's yeah my intro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Pretty good intro. Austin's really interested in the uh, construction and engineering thing. Yeah. So Austin, you guys all have a lot in common. Nice. Austin, why don't you take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm 18. I'm a senior. I live in Moody, Alabama, and I was diagnosed with CVID when I was 13. Okay. And he said that's his introduction. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's everything about Austin. Okay. <laughs> so um, the show tonight, we're going to talk about, like I said before, all the different kinds of things that teenagers and young adults uh, face when dealing when when they find out that they have CVID and living with it. And uh, and also other primary immune uh, disorders, but um, John, why don't you uh, tell us some of the uh, obstacles that you that you faced over the years since you uh, since you found out that you have CVID? Okay. And you, I mean, you don't have to tell us every single obstacle you've ever had, but you, you know, just whatever comes off the top of your head now. Yeah. Um. So really, for the longest time, I didn't. Well. I didn't have, I didn't really know I had CVID. The only sign I had that I had CVID was that I have an enlarged spleen and would like get colds all the time. Um, and that was before, like before I was 13. Um, at the age of 13, just at a random physical is when they found out that I had an enlarged spleen. So they sent me to some other doctor who started doing blood tests and things from, from there, from there on, but they still weren't even sure what it was because CVID is such a rare thing that doctors aren't trained to look for. But, yeah. um, yeah, but, um, so originally they thought I had ITP, which is immunothrombocytopenia. Um, and they were kind of just watching me 
the only like there was I didn't really have any many health problems other than having a big big spleen which only affected me and that I couldn't play contact sports which was kind of a bummer because going into high school I was going to play soccer and basketball right. but but I made do <laughs> and, I, and I learned how to play tennis which is which was allowed so that was fun um, Austin kind of did the same thing he was um, he did track and he kind of couldn't do that so then we went to archery oh nice yeah, they don't. There's no archery in Massachusetts, really, unless you no. belong to like a sports <laughs> club. They have it in but, all of our high schools down here. So. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Um. So yeah, so around so 13 or around um 15 when I was in high school um was when my spleen started to get really big. So for in, for just for precautions, they had it. They had my spleen removed. Um. And it weighed five and a half pounds, which I guess is five more pounds than it's supposed to weigh. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. It must have been painful. It the surgery itself wasn't that bad, but that's because they give you good medicine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but um. Yes, but and so, but it was kind of weird because after because your spleen also has to do with your immune system, so not so not really knowing they kind of. Worse. Like when they take out your spleen, they basically it kind of resets your immune system, mm-hmm. and um, like you don't need your spleen. Your liver still does that does the job, but um, because they thought they were fixing ITP, because um, ITP like, one of the supposed cures for ITP was take your spleen out. Um, so because they thought they were fixing that, they um, did that, and for the next year or two, I was act- I was pretty good. Um, but then all of a sudden, um, one summer I got, I had just, I had, um, it kind of all happened at once. Like I, it was, it was rather coincidental because I was teaching tennis in the summer at a summer camp like I normally did. And, um, I got hit in the eye with a tennis ball (laughs) and, um, that later that day I had some sort of thing that felt like a stroke it wasn't a stroke apparently but it was something going on like my bo- like if you asked me I would have said it was a stroke just because of how how it felt like my one whole side of my body had went numb yeah um but brain but brain damage wise and and muscle damage wise like everything everything just came back and there was no like signs of neurological damage so they said that it wasn't a stroke <laughs> yeah um Thankful, and then still scary yeah, so it was still it was it was weird and scary, um, and then so they sent me home like the day after, and then later that week, it was around the fourth of July, and I was feeling kind of weird, wasn't really sure, just kind of figured I had some sort of cold or something. I was I was used to having you know just colds, si- a lot of sinus infections, mm-hmm, yeah. um, and so I thought it was just that, and I guess apparently. I don't remember because I passed out and um, like knocked my head, and I guess that that was because I had a, a meningitis. Wow. Which um, it wasn't that there are two kinds. I don't remember. One is one is worse than the other, but it was the it was the better kind of the two to have. <laughs> I think it's um, aseptic. Yeah. One and and one is viral and one is um, right. Not, yeah. Yeah. And it was so it was yeah. And um, so I was in the hospital for a good amount of time for that. Um, 
but then luckily I was able to recover by the end of the summer and go back to college and but then right during um right at the beginning of that year which would have been my I guess by then it would have been my senior year <clears throat> um I had I like after three weeks into the semester I started getting really sick and I thought that this you know I thought this was like swine flu that was the the thing at the time yeah so I kind of thought yeah, that's what it was that too, yeah. oh I see I didn't have that but <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that's, what I, that's what I thought that's what I thought I had because that's was like the you know everything on the news so I just but when I went to see my doctor it was um more it it was it was there was something wrong with my lungs mm. um and so I guess that even though they can't they can't so they can't really connect the two but I don't know if if you know from the group or not if I I, I know I've posted it but I also had a double lung transplant wow yeah um, I remember that because I, I that's scary it was <laughs> yeah it was crazy <laughs> yeah. um but um I and they believe that I needed new lungs because they didn't catch um you know they didn't catch me early enough and diagnose me early enough and get IVIG to me early enough so that I just got too many pneumonias and stuff when I was younger and built up too much scar tissue and things on my lungs and then finally it just one day it got to a point where it like my lungs were no longer able to just correctly do what they wanted because um, I guess is my bronchiosis is that's what it I know I've read about that in the immune deficiency website the, on the um, IDF website yeah it will it was like um, the bron- yeah the bronchiostasis but it was um like the the, the, deteri- the deterioration of the tissue in your yeah, lungs okay I, okay. Can't re- I can't remember the medical term <laughs> um we don't deal with medical terms I don't, <laughs> I don't know we, I'm so, not great science is about as far as my medical terminology goes so. <laughs> yeah um and well I just remember a lot of the different things that doctors toss around over yeah. the years so it's funny when you go into a hospital or something and you're talking to a nurse and you just throw a couple bigger words at them and they're like, um, so clearly you're not here with this. Right. (laughs) They do that with Austin too. Yeah. When they say an antibiotic and they expect him to wonder what it is and he's like, yeah, I've had that about a hundred times. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or when they say they want to give you azithromycin and I say, well, could you um, give me something stronger? Because that never works. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and yeah. then they, they look at me like, what are you talking about? So your world changed quickly. Yes. Um, for, yeah, it was, it was very, very strange. Athletic and... Yeah, it, well, it was very strange. It was, yeah, it was a lot, of, a lot of nothing to just all of a sudden a bunch of things, yeah. That, that's one of the things that we've, um, we've talked to our son about because um, him – what what age was it? You said you were. 13. I was I was diagnosed yeah at thirteen. I didn't really have any problems except for have like this except for having my spleen taken out at fifteen. Right. Um, I had a few like I guess I had pneumonias throughout the years like throughout the years and during school, but um, nothing that severely affected me. Right. Um. So it's safe to say that you wish you had had the IBIG sooner. 
Yes, it would have been much, much, yeah, much help, more helpful. Yes, because we we are kind of dealing with that issue with our son now that he's turned eighteen. You know, he want he wants to be normal. He doesn't stay as sick now as he did back when he first started treatments. He doesn't and what? Sorry. He doesn't get as sick as often. Oh right, yes, because yeah. the treatments are working. Mm-hmm. So um, he wants to try coming off. Of his I mean, treatment. how many, how, like, do you do sub-Q or just re- or regular IVIG? I do sub-Q. And you do it how often? Once a week. So it's I mean, like 45 <laughs> minutes. And, yeah, and no, I, I understand. Yeah, and I, I right. do it, I, I do it every three weeks for three hours. Right. So I'm glad. It's almost the same thing, but. <laughs> right, so I'm glad that kids like Austin <clears throat> that are turning 18 and they, they are staying a little healthier because of the IVIG get to talk to somebody like you who, you know, has already been down that road and wishes he could have had it sooner. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, think I'm you're not, teaching like, a lot of young people. Like I wouldn't tell you how to live your life and like, I could understand why you wouldn't want to waste, you know, like, especially because you only at like in high school, you only have your weekends really to do, you know, fun stuff with your friends and now you're probably doing the, the IV or the um, sub Q on the weekends, right? Mm-hmm. Or do you manage to do it during the week? I do it during the week sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, a few of my friends have tried to stop it, and it didn't go too well for them. <laughs> I mean, every everybody's different. Um, so, I mean, that's a choice you'd have to you know navigate on right. your own. But, Definitely, yeah. but I just I thought hearing you talk, it's really good for these kids that are coming up because there's a lot of them out there that come up because I've I've talked to a lot of moms of kids this age who they're doing healthier because it was caught early. Yes, yep. You know, but because they're healthier, they seem to think, oh, I'd be okay without it. So I think I think it's a really good thing that you're telling your story that they'll they'll see that things can change really fast with CBID patients. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's very strange because I could, I've, I could have, I would, I mean, I would say before CBID, I mean, before IVIG, I would, I was probably in the hospital for like three or four days, six times a year. Right. Or so. And then now after, I'm maybe in the hospital, um, you know, maybe one, maybe four days once a year. Right. As long as I, you know, as long as I manage everything and if as soon as I feel sick, get on antibiotics and stuff like that. You're learning. You've gotten older. You've learned to listen to your body better. Yeah. To and know when to rest and to know when to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that was really hard for me to learn. The... Um, I think you it's know, hard for all of us to learn. <laughs> yeah, to to you know to manage your time when you when you have to pick and choose what's important to you, balancing schoolwork and balancing your social life and balancing your health. And I know I need more sleep than normal people. <laughs> um, and so, like, I know that if I so I know that if I don't sleep enough, that I'm gonna get sick at some point. Maybe it won't happen. You know, the first few day, the first week or two that I don't sleep correctly but it'll end up catching up to me and I mean I think it all is just a matter of 
perspective and what you th- like what's important to you um i mean i also have a little bit of a different perspective because of the lung transplant you know yeah but but um well let's uh let me let me let me shift over yeah. <laughs> and ask austin a couple of questions too so um austin um Tell me a little bit about which I mean I I know your story, but I'm gonna let you tell our listeners a little bit about how you found out that uh, that you have CVID and the the trials and tribulations that you uh, ex- have experienced since then. Well, I started off with getting things like just simple ear infections and sinus infections when I was in elementary and middle school. And it gradually just seemed to get worse and worse. And then when I was 13 in the seventh grade, I ended up getting an infection in my stomach called C. diff. And that made the doctors kind of wonder if something might be up because people don't tend to get C. diff unless they're elderly or there's something wrong with their immune system. So they tested me and they found out that I had CBID and they gave me my first, uh, treatment then but it was by IB and immediately I could tell a difference after they did that it, I was like a completely different person and so after that they put me on treatments once a week and that's when I started that and that's the only time you that that's the only time you did IVIG wasn't it just that one treatment so yeah. what and John have you ever had a uh, sub Q I've never had sub Q ne- never have. Um, I was just wanting to know uh what you guys thought about the the difference Austin since you've had both I know it's been a long time since you had IVIG do you feel a, did you feel a difference between that and what you experienced when you I, which I know when you get when you get your sub Q treatment you feel kind of groggy the next day and uh, and, you, and you feel really tired and stuff like that did you do you remember a difference in in the IVIG I can't really remember a difference just because I felt so bad from the C. diff that I didn't really yeah. feel much of a difference. But from what I've heard from other people, the side effects are a lot harsher when you do IVIG. Yeah, Sherry, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do very well with IVIG that that one time that you did it, did you? I did not. I, I was one of those people that had lots of side effects. But oh, Austin, you know, when he was young, he didn't have any side effects when they gave it to him. He actually felt better. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like the. I don't. I don't have any side effects really, and I don't have to. I don't even have to pre-medicate like some people that I don't have to take Tylenol or. Um, See, and that, I think that's why it's important that people know that there are options available. You know, while IVIG didn't work for me, it works great for you. Right. Um, so I think I think people need to to realize that not one is better than the other. Li- yeah, I don't. I mean, I think. Like on a on a personal basis, one like I, one is better than the other, you know. For like like you know, IVIG is better for me, um, right? Or and you know, um, sub Q is better for you just because you had bad reactions with the uh, right. IVIG. But I think it's also I don't know if you know, but like most people don't have like I don't most people who I've talked to say that although they've had a, they had a if they've had a bad reaction with IVIG, it's because one, it was either the first time they ever got it, or two, they have it being infused too quickly. Right. And that's what causes the problems. 
Right. See, we, we were only given that as a booster dose, so there was gotcha. never any plan for us to, to go further. We had our immunologist wanted us to go sub Yeah, and let me, mm-hmm. re- real quick, just in case there's anybody listening that has absolutely no idea what we're talking about, um, there's different kinds of treatments for CVID, basically, We and we've talked in the past about how they take the uh, plasma from healthy donors and they turn it into these treatments, but you have an IVIG treatment, which is basically you get a concentrated dose of this medicine about once a month or so, and then you've got and it's different for different people, but you've also got what we call sub-Q, which is a subcutaneous treatment, small little needles that go just under the surface of your skin get that gives you a smaller dosage of the medicine, but you have to do that one to two times a week. So just to, just to clear right. that up for anybody that might be listening that, that doesn't know. Right, and I could see, um, in theory, I have actually considered myself with the IVIG um, a bonus to that is that, you know, you think about it once a month. It's not coming at you all the time. Right. I would think that's a, that's a plus to IVIG. Um, yeah, and now I don't know about everybody and what their insurance will cover, but my insurance covers doc, the, the nurses actually coming to my oh, house. Okay. Oh, really? So I don't even have to go into, like, the IV, like the clinic and sit in the chair for three four hours. Oh, see, well, that's really nice, too. I know some people have trouble getting their insurance to cover it, but if you, you know, if you can do that, that's awesome, too. Yeah, and so that's a real, a real plus, Um, because do you, do you do the, you do the sub-Q by yourself, right? Uh, Yes, we do. Yeah, that's Uh, The nurse came out for one, you know, one teaching class, and then after that, we did it ourselves, and Austin was actually giving himself his, um, his treatment in seventh grade, so right, yeah, I see a really lot of, fast. I've seen a lot of kids, yeah, that right so, people do that. So they can they can give it to theirself, and I guess that's one. The, I think the the plus that I feel like with the sub Q is that me myself, I have two teens, mm-hmm. so our schedule is kind of crazy sometimes, especially with two of us in the house having CVID. Yeah. So um, the sub Q kind of helps me because I can do it when I find time. Right. Yep. So that that's the plus for me. And while yeah. I've stayed on it, now Austin has wavered between do I want to do sub Q or do I want to go to IVIG? And we actually just had a visit with our immunologist when he turned eighteen, trying to decide. Mm-hmm. So we're still on on the fence with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that, and I think it would also depend. It would depend on how, like, if you switched to IVIG, how often you would need it. Um, you know, if you would need it every month, then it would probably be. I, I, in my, well, I at least for me, it would be better because I just have to do it once a month, even right. if it was four hours. It could be, you know. Right, and he he was. Um you know, with him changing, going to college and starting to work, he graduates right. in May. So he's trying to, um, he's navigating how to take care of his own health care and to make his decisions on his own. And I know you must have went through that yourself. Yeah, I did. I was, um, I actually, because of CV, well, be, well, not, not just because of CD, CVID, but it did make the decision easier 
went to a community college for two years um, and was and lived at home. Um, but I sort of, if I had to say that I regret that, I kind of do because I feel like I missed the the you know freshman experience or whatever at at college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that at least I went to the University of Massachusetts. That's where I transferred to after went to the community college, and um, they have their own health clinic and everything. And I was able to actually get my IVIG in their health clinic every month when I was at college. That's really good because that was that was one and, of our concerns is that and I, you know, he I was, doesn't want to yeah. keep that treatment open in the dorm for everybody to see. Right, exactly. I was worried that like I was going to freak my roommate out with all these <laughs> boxes and <laughs> syringes and. Hey, uh, John, do you stuff. have any brothers and sisters? I do have a younger sister. Um, so I wanted to talk to both of you guys about um, about do do you remember have your siblings having any kind of jealousy because you were sick more often than they were and they may have felt that you got special treatment or had any bad feelings between the two of you because of that we've heard some stuff on the uh mess on the uh facebook group about things like that and i was just wondering uh, both of you really you and austin if you if you re- remember having any experiences like that I think that my parents did a good job, um, set like like separating the time that they spent with with both of us. Like even even when I was in the hospital, um, because uh, like either my if if my, if my mom was with me, then my dad would be with my sister, or vice right. versa. It was it was never like both people are one place or both people are the other. Um, also, if I was in the hospital for a, for a long enough time, I'd just tell my parents to leave because <laughs> I'd be like, "Mom, you're just sitting there looking at me, and you're freaking out." So if you <laughs> if you want to leave, if you want to go see my sister, if you want to just not be sitting in the hospital, yeah. you can because. Um, but I don't. It's good. I mean, if it... my if my sister was ever jealous, I don't think she. She never said it yeah. to me. Um, yeah. and I think now, it's kind of the same way with me too. Yeah, and I'm. We um, try. Re- we try really hard with both our kids to make sure that that doesn't happen. But let's be honest. There's a little bit of jealousy there. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, it's probably along the same lines of. Uh, when a new sibling comes along, you know, there's some jealousy because there's more attention being paid to the baby, you know. So yeah. when when, mm-hmm. when one is sick more than the other, then there's probably a little bit of jealousy because there's more attention being paid to to the one that's sick. And But, the, I mean, what are the parents going to do, <laughs> you know? Right. You know, the kid, you've, you've got a kid in the hospital, you're going to be at the hospital. I, I, when when Austin was in the hospital, and Gracie's been in the hospital a couple of times for different things, she doesn't have CVID, but if yeah. one of the kids is in the hospital, Sherry's not leaving the hospital. <laughs> she, right. You know, yeah. she was at, when Austin was at the hospital. I'm that yeah, mom. <laughs> when Austin was in the hospital, you know, we both stayed but mm-hmm. I would I would be the one that would have to leave and go home and wash some clothes and right. come back and At, stuff. Yeah, Sherry mm-hmm. did not leave. <laughs> feed your, feed your other child. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's good. I mean, yeah. if, if 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 there's not any jealousy between the two of you, that's great. That's great. You know, the, my sister's my sister's seven years younger than me, so I don't know if that has anything to yeah. do with it. Okay. Um, just that because that's sort of a big age difference, not huge, but. Well, I've, I've just heard a lot of um. I've heard a lot of stories, and I've heard, and I can see where it would feel that way to some in some kids. Um, you know, they feel like all the attention is there, that everybody's always worried about the other child, and you know, they they just feel some jealousy there, and then there, it puts kind of a resentment for the the child that is sick for saying, you know, I can't help this. You know, I right. would love to not be sick. So I think, I think it does happen in families, and I think it takes a lot of effort on the parents' part for that not to occur. Yeah, I, I would, I would imagine. I think my sister, my sister and I, have always been close. So I mean, just, I think like when I was like whenever I was in the hospital, I was sick, and she knew that. So she knew that like they weren't. Or at least she, I don't think she felt like they were favoring me. They were just doing what they would do if she was in the hospital. Right, right. That That's great um, because not all kids, or from what I've understood, not all kids have that kind of relationship. And that's wonderful that your parents made sure that that happened. Uh, what about with other students, either in college or in um, in high school, you know, do other students get uh, not so much jealous, but they? I used to hear things like, I wish I could stay out that often. Or how yeah. come you get longer to do that? Right. How, yeah, that, yeah, that one, the second one. <laughs> yeah, or like, why did, why did you get an extension? Or why did you not have to be in? I, I took um, architecture in, at school at UMass, and some of the studios are um, very long. <laughs> And, you know, even though, like, even though technically it's only a four, four hour class, people stay there, you know, all weekends, all hours of the night. And, um, I was luck I was luckily able to figure out, uh, you know, pretty much how to, as long as you plan ahead and like, that was one thing I got, you know, that was one thing that CVID taught me at a pretty young age, no matter like this, as soon as I got a project, I would just start it, even if it wasn't due for a month, because I would, the sooner I got it done, at least it'd be done, and then I wouldn't have some random thing pop up where now I have to turn in a project late because I'm in the hospital. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's good. Um, but um, in high school, I didn't really have too much of that. Um, the one time, the one time when I was a junior, when I had my spleen taken out, um, was really the only time I missed an extensive amount of school and got a lot of um, makeup and like makeup work and extensions and everything like that and um, when I was getting ready for the surgery they gave me prednisone to um, boost my blood count boost my blood count for, to be more stable for the yeah. surgery and um, it gave me shingles Wow oh, oh wow so <laughs> yeah you just um, had an all-around rough time didn't you yeah oh, God. Well, <laughs> I've I've had an uh, interesting bunch of things, yes. But um, so when I went back to school, I I looked pretty sick, so nobody was gonna tell me, I, oh oh, I wish, 
Oh, I wish I was you. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, lung transplant and, (laughs) you know, people kind of know that you're really sick. Uh, I think with Austin, he has always looked healthy. Right. Um, So this – right. So – and I did – so I did – so I didn't get that much in high school, but I did get it in – college when I was no longer looking sick and this was before I had my lung transplant um because I didn't have my lung transplant until I ended up I ended up I ended up leaving um my I ended up leaving college my senior year and had the lung transplant and then well I went I went back and finished but (laughs) um but it like the first couple years of of college I would get the well like well why do you get an extension Or, you know, that you don't look sick or, but I never, I never got it so much from my friends, but it's probably because I was really good at hiding it from them, which is probably what a lot of young people with CVID do because. I was talking to Austin about that earlier. Yeah, I was about to say, Austin, you are, you, you, Austin, do any of your friends know you have CVID? Do you tell anybody? Yeah, I tell pretty much all my friends now, like, even if it's someone that I'm not super, super good friends with that I just talk to sometimes. Used to when I was in junior high, didn't used to really tell people that much just because I was kind of nervous about it, like or, that they would think something of me or something. Mm-hmm. But I eventually got over that, and people tend to accept it just fine. They don't seem to act any way about it. Yeah, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't hide that I had CVID, like, they all knew that I had that, or, you know, they, they probably couldn't remember the name, but they knew that I had yeah. something, and knew that I could get sick easily, but I did hide, like, when I was sick, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't too. really let them know. Yeah, I used to do that a lot, when I got sick really often, mm-hmm. I used to do that, because if you're sick all the time, so people are going to try to stay away from you, so they're, because they're scared they're going to get sick. Yeah, because they're scared they're going to get sick or because you're going to be depressing to them or something or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I used to just not tell people. But um, but I think if you get the right friends, then yes. then you can trust them with that. Yes. Um, yeah, well, so, yeah, I, that's very that's true. And um, I, so, like, the only times my friends would ever know that Whatever really, I would guess I would call it remember that I have CVID would be if I was really sick and in the hospital and like I was like, yo, come visit me or something. <laughs> but um, I don't know. At my at the hospital I had, at least when I was able to be in adolescent care, they had like, it was like Wednesdays was like free ice cream Sunday day. <laughs> and so I'd be like to all my friends, come visit me. You can all have ice cream Sundays or whatever. Yes, Austin, the the children's hospital here in Birmingham, Austin thought it was like a small resort. (laughs) (laughs) They had all the video games, yeah, all that kind of, yeah. But what about, um, what about teachers and, 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 uh, coaches and when you, you said that, um, you were diagnosed when you were about 15, so you spent the last, what, three years of high school knowing that you had it, and I know... Like with Austin, we had to do like an IMP. Sherry, am I saying it right? IMP plan, IEP plan. Um, you know, for we started off with the five. Yeah, for him plan. to get his his work and, and get extensions and and things like that. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So, 
and I know you talked about how your you know how your friends reacted to stuff like that, but what about uh, teachers like Austin? You had a teacher that just flat out didn't believe you had anything wrong with you, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember a whole lot about it, but because I was in elementary school, but we had a teacher mm-hmm. who actually we we actually brought in doctors' excuses and everything, and she reported us because she thought that I was getting sick supposedly getting sick so much that we had to be making fake doctor's excuses. Yeah, and she sent an email to Sherry one time saying, yeah, he's going to have to start turning in his work when everybody else turns it in. It's too hard for me to grade it, you know, six weeks later or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, no, why don't you go back, well, my go back mom, and look in his file. My mom is a, teach- <laughs> my mom is a teacher, um, and she's she's been a teacher for a long time in, this, in the city that I grew up in and went to school in. Um, but I've never, I've never, no, I've never had a teacher tell me they just flat out didn't believe me as long as I brought in, you know, legitimate doctors. Notes. After that, that's what I was fixing to say. After that, we had an immunologist record, and I could see where where they would question that after you know the fourteenth time that year that <laughs> that mm-hmm. he had you know he had been out of of uh, school to have another sinus scan or another yeah you know something so yeah. i i can see where they would question that without having that note on file so that that's when we learned that we would get our immunologist to put you know a letter on file so that they could look back and after that we didn't really have a whole lot of problems with teachers and and of course after the cdf scare too yeah. because yeah. he was very sick and we didn't have any question after that Point. What about what about employers? <laughs> Have you had any problem with employers? So, <laughs> um, that's a that's a tough one because I because I can't really say that I've ever well I've I've I well I used to work at Chili's um, and I worked at Chili's for a long time, so I wouldn't say that they had a problem with it. They were they were actually really good when it came to being flexible and but I think you know so that was like I, that was the main reason that I stayed working at like a restaurant job for such a long time because they just have you know everybody wants always wants to switch shifts pick up shifts and stuff like that so um, luckily I was able to like navigate that and not have to really like explain myself to that that often if I missed a lot of work um, as long as, you know, I let them know what was going on. Um, I always debated, debate telling my, if I want to tell my employer, like, right off the bat, or do I want to wait until, like, I need to tell them. Yeah. It's um, always really hard because you you almost want to ask, too, I, at least I do, when Sean talks about, you know, switching careers and things. You, you want to know, is it going to cover my treatments? Right, but yeah. but then you know once you bring out that word, you know you it, bring yeah. out it, it can scare you know, them. You, so you yeah, don't know exactly. what to do. You can't, you can't, and you can't, and they could choose not to hire you, which because of that, which is illegal. But you can't. That's impossible to yeah, prove. Yeah, they'll always right because I, I worked in HR. You know, yeah. I worked in HR and I worked underneath the head of a company. And yes, it is illegal. But how do you, how do they unknow that? Right. When they have two equal, when they have two equal applicants that are, you know, they are both 
exactly equal, but you know this one is going to cost the company this much more in health insurance. How do you unknow that? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, and it's not necessarily the employer's fault, like I said, because... Because it could be a small business that just can't afford it or something. but Right. It, it could be anything. And then, like I said, it's just human nature that when comparing the two, they, you know, they can't unknow it. Yeah. And, and, and so, she had the experience where she had a job. And when she was hired on at the job, she didn't know she had CVID. All she knew is that she had uh, IgG. And, right. um but she was getting sick a lot. IGA deficiency. Yeah, IGA. Yes. She was getting sick a lot, and she was having to take off to go to the doctor. And, and Austin was getting sick a lot, too, so she was having to take off to take him to the mm-hmm. doctor. And this is before either one of them were diagnosed. And, Sherry, you were treated unfairly by by, an, by that employer. Oh, absolutely. Um, I started having to get notes and make the doctor to have phone calls to them to prove that I was Mm -hmm. sick. You know, there were, there were all kinds of things and they, I mean, I sat at my desk running fevers. I sat at my desk. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I sat at my desk all kinds of ways. With the, with the, with the shakes, with, yeah. yeah, Yes. With a throbbing headache. Yeah. Yes. I mean, completely just should have been home in bed and I was sitting there at my job uh, and I, except on days that I absolutely could not do it and it still wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it just, it was never enough, you yeah, know, no, whenever no. you were out and having a child with CBID, then that's, um, that's a little harder when it's yourself and your child, because it's hard enough to get an employer to understand that you're sick. But then to understand that you have a sick child, too, is kind of hard. So um, that was one of the questions that I wanted to bring up to you guys. When you think about um, when you think about um, having families when you're older, you know, or even, you know, you are older, John. So (laughs) when you think about when you think about relationships and things like that, does do do you guys think CBID plays into that or is it a challenging aspect of it? I can imagine that it that it does. I don't personally want to have biological children right. because I don't want to give them what I have. If that, that makes sense, but that's just me. No, it makes sense. I've heard that a lot. I have, I would love, and I, I would love to that. adopt I totally or something. That. But yes, I totally respect that. And and you know, I didn't know when I had my kids. That I had something that could be passed on. Yeah, and I, um, I also don't know. So I didn't don't have know. to think about that, but but yeah, I would I never also... change being a mother for anything. Well, yeah, right. Right, but... And but... I don't know if there's... I think there's, you know, there's genetic counseling you can do now where you find out if your gene, if those genes would be passed along. Right. As well, if, you, if, you, if that was a route that you wanted to take. Right, yeah. What about you, Austin? I could see where you he would be coming from because it would make the life for the kid harder, but it would also like have how you had problems with your employer with me. If you if you have CBID and then your kid also has it, it just right. makes things twice as hard. Right. It it does make things challenging. It does. I will say that, but I will also say that you know I I don't know you personally, John, other than you know on our site, yeah. but. 
I know that, that you guys are so much more than CBID. You have accomplished yeah. more. You you mean a lot to the world at, that CBID can't take away. So I would say keep an open mind, you know, right. exactly. as you go along. Keep an and open also, mind. Especially for you because you're younger. There in ten years, when you're my age, there could be a cure. Right, yeah. right. So don't don't just write it off. Just always keep an open mind and learn and and experience. And things change when you you meet that person you want to stay with forever, too. So right. as as you get older, so I think I I think um, there are lots of kids though that that talk like you guys that feel like you guys do because I've, I've heard them talk I've seen them on the teen page and a lot of them feel that way and I can see that because I remember being a teen with CBID myself even though I didn't know that's what it was at the time mm-hmm. and it's it's hard and I know you guys kind of play it down a little bit but I mean you just state what you had but I can tell you that there I'm sure there were lots of emotions with what you had that that tore you up. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that so, there was there was there was I mean not always, but depending on how long depending on how sick I was or how long I was, there would it would just be a matter of time until I reached the the breaking point of oh, am I always going to be this sick who's going to who's going to like me, who's going to find me attractive, who's going to, you know, want to be with somebody who you know who they who who even knows their life expectancy you know right. things like that right and that i know that because i've been at that place myself and i still fight that to this day and sean knows that uh, i mean even so far as last week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know you don't mm-hmm. really you don't really grow out of that so i know like when you guys talk and i think partially it's because you're guys you know but I think you state what happened to you, but the emotions of it are kind of hidden. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't. You wouldn't share that with everybody. Correct. Right. Like it's, and, not like and I'm, it's not like I don't have emotions about it or I right. wouldn't be opposed to sharing it, but it's not something that I'm so used to just having to be to telling so many people about right. what I have and what it is that, you know, you, you basically or I basically find the shortest way to have the quickest conversation to get them the most informed and on with their lives that I can basically. <laughs> You yeah. know, unless it, you know, unless it's like a fr- obviously it's different if it's a friend or a family member or something. But right. you know, when you just have that nosy person, right? But that, it, it, but there's lots of kids that that are going through that, and they think, why am I hand-? like I used to be like that? I was like, why can I not be stronger than this? Why do I feel so upset? Why do I feel this way? And that's normal. I mean yeah. that for someone that's going through CVID and being sick all the time, and there's no cure. Mm-hmm. You know, that's normal to have those emotions for, for young adults, you know, especially teenagers. Yeah. I know Austin has dealt with that. Yep. I um, saw, I, I don't see him anymore, but I, I could go back anytime if I wanted, I suppose. But I've seen, uh, I saw, I've seen a psychologist 
um, for, I guess, on and off four years. Um, yes. You know, par- a, a, part of it was you have to see a psychologist when you get a transplant, yeah. but that was that was only like you have to do for three months. So yeah. the rest yeah. of it was my choice. Um, and it was I was I found a psychologist that specializes in people with um, long term or inc- or incurable illnesses. And he was really helpful to me. His wife actually had some sort of immune deficiency that wasn't CVID. We didn't really get into it because I don't know, but right. Um, but that was really good for me. Um, even just, even just, I guess, like I found that even just talking when you talk when you can when you have a therapist if they're a good therapist and whatever you can just talk to them and it, like even just saying what you're thinking out loud helps you process it better and they're not there to to um judge you they don't have the biases of you know your friends or your parents or your family right Um, i agree i think that can be really helpful because you know sometimes i go in there and complain about my parents and how they like you i'm you probably are in a little different situation because you know because you yourself know what tv ideas and you know so so for you for you and your son like you know you can relate a little better but my parents don't know what I feel like you know yeah right and I can see that and I don't blame them but um my both my parents their you know their parents were you know very 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 hard working to support you know they're each brother they're, they each have well, they're each one of seven wow <laughs> um yeah <laughs> and um and you know we're, you know Irish Catholic work ethic and all that type of yeah. stuff and um hard, yeah hard, and so like although I wouldn't say I would so I would say that my father it's it's taken him a long time to realize that like I wasn't like I wasn't just being lazy or like I wasn't it wasn't just that I was unmotivated or un, un, uninspired or whatever it was that I was sick and that I had probably had depression and or, you I know, think that's a huge misconception for a lot of people. And there, and I also think that it's important, to, like, to understand that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with being depressed if you're, if you're that sick for that long of a time. Like, it's normal oh, yeah. to get yeah. sad and to be upset about it. Yeah, and and I don't like to hear, just get yourself out or, you know, Step out of it snap out of it because sometimes you just can't sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to to almost grieve yeah yeah I, you know i don't know a better way to put it but you just want to be sad about the fact that you can't do what your mind wants to do because your mind that that's the hard part for me with being sick chronically sick is that my mind wants to be very young and healthy and active Mm-hmm. and work but my body can't right and, and it kind of feels like you're trapped after a while yeah and, and you just want to you just sometimes you just need to feel bad about that yep yeah and exactly. I, but I, I also think that you've done a pretty good job of uh rolling with the punches because like you said you weren't able to do a contact sport so you found another sport that you could play 
You know, right. you, 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 you might not have been able to do a profession where you were using a lot of, doing a lot of physical activity, you know, so you, you know, right. found, got your engineering degree and everything. And that, I, I, I think you've done good. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, sir. Austin's, Austin's been, you know, juggling the ideas of what he wants to do as a career. And his first thought was fireman. Mm-hmm. When we or we talked about it, because his his uh, school offered where you would take classes your senior year, and then you already had a job when you were done. Oh, right, and, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, his first thought, and then I, I talked to him, and yeah. I was like, respiratory infections, you know, and he he had to consider that. So now we're we're going a different route. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean. So yeah, there, that's there's tough, lots and I could see I could see why it would have been appealing too. Because when you worry about how you're going, who's going to hire you, yeah. if you already had a job lined up, then if you did that, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Well, before we, all right, we're going to start winding things up, but I wanted to ask both of you guys uh, a question, that, and it may take you a few minutes to answer, maybe not. But <laughs> so somewhere out there, there's a kid that's 14, 15 years old, and he went to the doctor today and got the diagnosis that he has CVID or some other form of PI. Mm-hmm. What do you want to say to that kid? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah go ahead. As <laughs> <laughs> okay. he's looking puzzled. Um, so, I guess I would say to whomever this 14, 15-year-old is, um, that that probably, you, you're, well, one, you're probably scared, which is mm-hmm. okay, but in all honesty, you're, like, if you just got diagnosed with this, your life's probably about to get better because you've probably been getting sick and not, not knowing why, so at least now you have a why. Yeah, that's a good point. F- for me, for me, for a long time, not having a why drove me insane, and so at least that might at least you'll have that. And there are plenty of treatments and plenty of options that you can work into and around your life, and still have a relatively quote unquote normal life. It's not going to be like everybody else's life, but that doesn't mean that it can't be a good and fulfilling life. Austin? I think that I would just say don't let CBID define who you are. That it's just something that you have and something you're going to have to deal with probably for the rest of your life until they find a cure for it. But not to let it run your life. To try to find things that you even with CBID that you can still do. Just something along those lines. Okay. Well... We're going to start winding up. I wanted to point out real quick, Sherry had some um, some links that uh, she wanted me to share. And I'm, I'm going to list these on the uh, website when I post this episode. But the IDF Young Adult uh, Webinar is... I had a date in front of me and I can't find it now. Sherry, do you remember? It's it, it, Oh, March 16th. And uh, th- so there's going to be a link to that on the website. Also, there are young adult and teen sections 
uh, on the primary immune, the IDF website, that is primaryimmune.org slash young dash adults. Uh, if you listen to this episode before I get it posted, also uh, teen escape information at primaryimmune.org slash program slash IDF dash teen dash escape. And then there's IDF retreats information. Sherry, is that like, is that like going to camp or something? It's kind of is for teens and adults, and they they go off for. I believe it's usually a weekend. Uh, John, have you heard about these? I haven't. <laughs> um, I, I believe they go off for the weekend, and they have um, they'll have sessions with the parents that teach them about parenting. You know, young adults and 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 teens, and then they'll be. Um, the teens will actually get together and they'll do learning exercises and learn about how to navigate through their careers, you know, about college, just anything that might face uh, an immune deficient child as they grow older into adulthood. So we have not been to one of those yet. We would love to do that, um, but I think it's a really good resource. And I'm going to put a link to it on the um, on the website when I post this episode. And another thing that I wanted to share, and I don't know, this is the third episode. I don't know why I have I have not shared this before, but I wrote a book last year. Um, it's a it's a not a young adult novel. It's a it's a kid's novel about about a kid that has uh, CVID. The actual concept of the book is that it's about a kid that's running for class president he also happens to have cvid because cvid doesn't define who you are but it's called um marvin mcbrayer zebra for president and uh you can go to amazon amazon.com and you can just search for me sean ray w-r-a-y and you should be able to find it or put in the title marvin mcbrayer and it should it should come up but i'll also put a link to that on the website so you guys can go and check that out i think it, and all those proceeds we are going to donate straight to the idea yeah i think i charged two dollars and 99 cents for that book it's about it's a it's about a hundred page book and it is aimed at kids that are about 12 to 14 years old so if you struggle looking for books for kids that age uh to read that will actually teach them something. I tried to write this so that it, it'll actually teach them a little bit about CVID and about some of the treatments because the character actually meets somebody that's doing a IVIG, IVIG treatment and he's doing a sub-Q treatment. And so it talks a little bit about that. But um, other than that, we would love for you guys to go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review because that is how we're going to get in front of more people and have uh, as many people as possible hear this show and share it with other people so that we can try to educate and inform as many people as possible. John, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. You did a great job. Thank you it for having so me. It was so nice talking to you. Yes, yeah. you too. Austin, you did okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I guess. You did. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great too. I'm just, I'm just playing with you, but um, and uh, I'd love to have both of you on the show again. We're gonna try and do more shows that are aimed at uh, young people. Hopefully, 
we want to do a show that's going to have, we want to do a show about moms. We want to do a show about little kids, you know, and just have people from all walks of life come on and talk about their story and, and, and what they deal with. But, uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of life and stripes. And, uh, Sherry, you have anything you want to share before we go? No, I think we've covered it all. I just, it's just really nice to have a new perspective and to talk to John and hear his story. John, Austin, either one of you guys have anything else you want to say? Um, no, just thank you for inviting me. Glad I could be helpful and, yeah, talk to you guys in the future. Austin? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. All right, well, you guys... Thank goodness for editing. <laughs> no, I'm leaving that in. <laughs> All right, well, you guys have a great uh, couple weeks, and we'll, and we'll see you soon.